So if you've got your Bibles, I actually want you to open them to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to kick off here. And again, as we said, welcome to Impact Life Church. Welcome to One Big Christmas. This whole month, we're going to be celebrating Jesus and everything that he's done. You know, if this is your first time here, if you've never been to this church before, we want to welcome you. We are Jesus people. So Jesus to us is a big deal. We love Jesus with all of our hearts. Everything we have, everything we are is because of him. And I'm so thankful. I know we have a church family here that loves Jesus. So if you love Jesus too, welcome home. You belong here. This is a great place to be. But in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to pick up a little bit where I left off last week. I hope you're okay with that. Thanks for those three yes. All right, perfect. And uh, we're going to go from there. Uh, but we're going to just, we're going to talk into some things about what, what, what is Christmas all about. And we know Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah, we, we know that. But we want to make it alive on the inside of us. But Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to look at this for a second, verse uh, 16. This is one of the prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed. In verse 16, he says, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make us home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, say roots. The depth of who you are, the well-being of everything you are. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. It keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. Now notice these words. As all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So what's going to fill you with life and power? The love of God. Not just This is, love of God is not something that you just kind of talk about. It says here that we are to experience the love of God. Right? What does experience mean? It means you, you can, for lack of a better word, you can feel it. You can come in contact with it. Anybody ever experienced the love of Jesus before? What did it do to you? Changed your life. I cry like a baby. When, I get, when, Jesus, when, you, when you get in contact with the love of God, it just overwhelms you with how kind and how good he really is. And that's what we're celebrating is the love of God that he has towards mankind. For those of you who didn't know, God's not mad at the world. I mean, you hear people a lot of times, you hear, and especially in this season, I mean, you hear different things, and, and I actually came in contact with a guy not too long ago who just said, God is actually upset with 95% of even his church. Like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> At least I'm in that 5%. I, I, I know that. But man, God's not angry. He's not an angry God. He's not upset. It actually says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. He sings songs over you. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I don't know if anybody ever wake up angry before. It was the first thing that came to your mind to sing a song. No. <laughs> so, man, we have a God that the moment you wake up, it's right away he's got a song that he sings over you. Why? Because he's in love and he's happy with his children. Right? That's, that's who he is. And we're going to talk about that this morning. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let's go there. Are you ready? Everybody knows these verses? All right. Well, you don't know them like we know them. I mean, I come to this place where I realize I don't actually know a scripture. I've read it, but I don't know it like I should know it. So John 3, 16, there is more in that than you may have already read. And me and Jace were rapping to it this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. One and only, one and only, one and only son. And he just, 
it's a thing that we do because we, we want to be rappers, but I'm trapped in a white man's body. <laughs> yeah, I, I do good for what it is, for what it's worth. But uh, let's just read these, and I want you to read these again. Just fresh ears, fresh eyes, and just see it. So my goal for us this morning is that you see the love of God. See it. Not just, you know, hear about it. Oh, yeah, that's nice. No, see it. Feel it on the inside. Open up your heart. Let him love you this morning. Right? The love of God, you have to let him love you. Because if you don't, it's just going gonna, gonna to constantly be there. But until you open yourself up, it's not going to affect you. So John 3.16, for God loved the world, a little bit, that he did. No, no, no. What does it say? So much. Have you used this before? Anybody been hungry before? Now, anybody ever been so hungry? What's the difference? When you're hungry, yeah, you'll eat whatever. But if you're so hungry, oh, man, you literally eat whatever. Even if those golden arches are right next door, you are so hungry that you are desperate to eat a cheeseburger or something like that. So much. God didn't just love you. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. So I can't do it without rapping. One and only, one and only, one and only son. Does everybody want to do that with me? It might help a little bit. One and only, one and only son. Okay, now, so we got to put a little bit of, you know, some, some attitude to it, right? It only has like, you got to, mm, you got to feel it. One and only, one and only, one and only son. Praise the Lord. Okay. We'll just, we'll just read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. <laughs> so that, I love this, that everyone, say everyone. everyone. Who does that mean? Everyone and anyone. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So I'm going to just, I'm going to talk about the love of God for a second. We're going to tie it into what we talked about last week. But did you know the entire Old Testament points to these two scriptures? Everything you see in the Old Testament, you, everything from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, all the way up to this time, you see God pointing to this exact time in life when God loved the world so much that he would give his one and only son. Because, you know, from the point, Genesis chapter 3, when that happened, the fall of man, when man sinned, when man fell and disobeyed God, right away there was this distance between God and man. Right? I know you know this, but I'm just reiterating it a little bit. So I want you to look at it from God's perspective. Kind of we see, okay, well, it's a distant God. No, you've got to think of it from a, as a father perspective. His kids had disobeyed him, so by, you know, divine law, he had no longer access to his man. He couldn't get to them. He couldn't have any access to their lives anymore because they chose to separate from him. So imagine what that did to the father's heart. Man, it broke. It hurt him. So for a long period of time, he was at a distance between from, from himself towards mankind. But he said, there was a day and a time coming. God said, well, I'm going to put my spirit within them and they'll all get to know me. That's Ezekiel chapter 36, 27. And I love this. You know, in the Old Testament, you see the prophets of old. And they write and they talk about a day coming, right? You see it. Jeremiah talked about it. Isaiah talked about it. Ezekiel talked about it. You see all these Old Testament prophets 
talking about a certain day that they've only got a little glimpse of that we're living in today. And I want you just to see what Peter write about it. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, talking about this salvation, what we're seeing and what we're living in today. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So what were these Old Testament prophets doing? They saw what God wanted to do and they, their jaws hit the floor. All they knew was that God had to be distant. God wasn't able to interact with them the way that we have this interaction. They weren't able to worship God the way that we can just worship. Now what happens? We got an awesome team here. They, they just come in and they lead us into the presence of God. There, there was rules. There were certain ways for man's own safety. Because if you came into the presence of God not in the proper way, you're dead. But now because of the blood of Jesus, now we can go to God hands lifted up. We can come boldly to his throne room of grace and obtain mercy, obtain help in time of need. In the Old Testament, that wasn't even a thought. They just saw him as a distant God and no access to him unless it was through a man, a high priest. And sadly, a lot of people even still view that in religion where you have to go through a man in order to have access to God. Now, no longer the case. Isn't that wonderful? What Jesus did. So these prophets, they saw this and they just, their mouths dropped. They go, how could... God is going to do this. You read it in Isaiah chapter 53 and the whole account of that. They seeing that my servant, he's going to be beaten for mankind. He's going to get whipped so that we could be healed. He's going to be rejected and despised of men so that we can have right standing with God. Like they saw this and they couldn't even believe it. Like this is amazing. This is amazing. And now you and I, we live in this. And I think it's so wonderful that in the Old Testament, God said over and over from Genesis chapter 3 at verse 15 all the way through, He said, I got someone coming. My son is coming. And what's He going to do? He is going to reveal love. He's going to reveal truth to all mankind so that I can have my family back. And we see that in John chapter 1 verse 14. It says, so the Word became human. Man, think about that. This God who created everything made a choice and willingly stepped out of his eternal body and came into become a man. And what did he do? He made his home among us. Now we saw his full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He said it, he said it, he said it. And finally when the day came, man, heaven erupted. It went ballistic, it went nuts. And you can see that Luke chapter 2, verse 6. Man, this is right after all of a sudden the angels come, or Gabriel had come and approached Mary. And you know the Christmas story, we're going to get into that more as we go on this month. But you see it all of a sudden, the angels, uh, talking about the shepherds, and while they were there, talking about the shepherds, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in stri strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their, sh their flocks of sheep. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to who? All people. Great joy. What does joy look like? This is huge. This is everything what God had been talking about for thousands of years. He said, I got somebody coming. I got one coming who's going to close the gap, who's going to bring relationship back, who's going to get rid of all sin. He, I got somebody coming. I got somebody coming. And you can actually read it in John's account that not the world was actually ready for him. They, had no, they, weren't even, they didn't even know when he came. Some people completely missed it. He said, yes, the Savior, the angels go on to say, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in, this, in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize uh, him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. Man, just think of this account. Man, heaven is erupting. They're excited. Why? Because God had been talking for thousands of years to a certain day when now himself, he would take on flesh and bring mankind who were once so far away and he'd be right with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Not God around, God with me. God for me. God in me. It's amazing. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but what have everlasting life now what does verse 17 say god did not send his son into the world to are you reading the screen or are you oh okay, I thought you were... okay to judge the world but to save the world through himself so the old testament you see it that god is pointing to this exact moment john chapter 3 16 and 17 but now in the New Testament, you look at this, the entire New Testament proves that John 3, 16 and 17 are true. <laughs> Old Testament is trying to prove that this is going to happen. Now we're in the New Testament. Everything you see in the New Testament is proving that John 3, 16 and 17 is true. You know, some people have a hard time receiving the love of God. Why? Because it actually is so good, it's hard to actually believe it. <laughs> In our own minds, in our own humanity, we go, that is, I've never seen anybody ever do that. That's, that's too much. Yeah, listen, it's agape. It's love that, that human beings aren't necessarily familiar with. But when you come in contact with the agape love of God, it changes you. It could be the hardest, roughest, toughest guy in the world. But he comes in contact with the love of God, it melts him in a second. It's what every human being is looking for. Looking for love looking for acceptance, looking for a place to belong. And that's exactly why Jesus came. So what's our message? John 3, 16 is to prove the love of God is true and it's for us. All right? Let me just read you a few things here. Through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus now, we see eternal life given to us as a free gift. And when you hear eternal life, I don't want you to think length of time. Listen, everybody on this entire planet and existed before and will ever exist, they are spirit beings. They will live for eternity. Eternal life doesn't talk about length of time. It talks about quality of life. That should get you a little bit excited. This free gift is what? Not how long I'm going to live. You're a spirit being already. You're going to live no matter what. It's the quality of life that you're going to live. That's what eternal life is all about. So now receiving Jesus and embracing his sacrifice, you've responded 
to him closing the gap, meaning you have a perfect relationship with God once again. So how many of you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Woo. Woo. So what happened in that moment when you received Jesus as Lord and Savior? That gap was already closed. You just responded to it, and now you have this perfect relationship with God. He did it. You don't have to try to work for, to get a good relationship. He did it. Now you're living in that relationship. You're living in that finished work of what he did. Let me show you Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. It says, For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled. Say brought close. He brought close. He reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. This includes me who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Everybody say, yet now. Yeah. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What did you do to deserve this? Nothing. What is it? It's a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's why he came. And what's the first thing that he did? He wants his family back. I want you back. I don't want any more distant Christmases with you. Too many of those. I want my family right where I am. That's the Father. So number one, your relationship is completely restored. Number two, embracing Jesus, receiving his love for you, automatically causes you to live a, triumph, a triumphant victory in every area of your life. He didn't want you just to go to heaven and that's it. No, there's more to it than that. What about this life that we're in right now? He doesn't want to see his kids get beat up. Anybody enjoy their kids getting beat up at school or something? I don't think so. He doesn't want to see any kind of enemy messing around with his kids. So what did he do? He went over and above than just saving your life spiritually. He also came to do something emotionally and physically. Romans chapter, or Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Do you guys have that scripture? No? Okay, I'm going to just... I'll read it to you real quick. Romans 5 verse 17. It says, For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many... But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. Now, what does righteousness mean? What we just read, right standing. Right standing with God. Can you earn a right standing with God? What do you do, with, what do, you do in order to receive righteousness? I just said the word. Ah, there it is. You receive it. It's a free gift. It's the greatest gift God has ever given mankind is right standing with himself. Oh, but I messed up. You don't know what I did this past week. Free gift of righteousness. You cannot earn more righteousness. You can't get more righteous. You can't lose your righteousness. You are in Christ Jesus. You're in him. You're right before him as if you've never done a thing wrong. So he goes on to say, those who receive this, his gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death 
through this one man, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that one more time to you. So, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Right? We can see that death is ruled over many. But, let me say but. but. Even greater than this death that rules over many, over the entire world, and included in death is sickness, disease, poverty, hatred, lack, anger, rage. All of that is types of death. Depression, emotional issues, those are all part of under death. So he says, but even greater, say even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. What will happen for those that receive it? They will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So what seems to be kicking your butt lately? What kind of sin may be holding you back or what kind of thing just keeps throwing you under the bus? You got to understand you are right before God. What is that going to do with anything? Well, when you understand you are right before God, you understand that you have a place with Him. This is my position. I'm not under this. I'm over top of this. And that's the next thing that God did for us. He caused us not to live underneath, but He caused us to sit above and be lifted far above all the circumstances of this earth. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at that for a sec, please. Verse 1 says, Once you were dead. Anybody enjoy? Remember those days? Once you were dead. (laughs) Because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject... Now look at this. We were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Like, don't get me wrong, there is a day of judgment that's coming, and what that is is a day of anger. (laughs) Right? That's coming. But is that for the Christian? No. No. Why? Where are we? We're in Christ. And in Christ, I'm free. In Christ, I'm faultless before Him. What if I mess up? You just repent, you change the way you think on it, and you start going after God again. He does not condemn you. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation. What I'm trying to do, I want you to see and experience the love of God. There is nothing that you can do for God to hate you or get mad at you. He loves you. His grace is extended towards you. So he said, but all this, with all this sin and everything that we used to do, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And what does He want to do? So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He loves, literally, He loved the hell right out of you. <laughs> That's what He did. That's who He is. He takes hell completely out of you. And what did He do? He put in a brand new nature. So now you stand before Him as if you've never done a thing wrong. So now I, I'm, I'm saying all this because I know you know this. So now you and I, we have a job. 
Because it's great to hear this and go, oh, yeah, man, I'm the righteousness of God. That's so true. That's so good. Now, listen, you got to get it. you got to let that sink in. Let that change the way that you think so that even when you're messing up, you say, I'm free. Even if you're like, man, I, I don't know why this smoking keeps you know, coming back. I, I don't want to be part of this. While you're puffing, you can say, I'm free. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a true story. Why? Because the word says that I stand before him faultless. The word says I stand before him as if I've never done a thing wrong. He says, I'm completely free. So even while you're blowing the next puff, you say, I'm free. Yeah. Even when you're struggling with alcohol, you say, every time you take a sip, I am free. Now, you got to want it. you got to want it. But you say, I'm free. No matter what kind of addiction it is, I am free. Why? Because I rule in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. I, smoking isn't my boss. Drinking isn't my boss. Drugs isn't my boss. Workaholicism or whatever is not my boss. I'm righteous. He's my boss. That's who I live for. That's what I'm a part of. Right, so now that we're part of all this, and let me just, we're going to go on with this now. But now that I've experienced this and I've understand that as a believer, as a Christian, as one who has accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, now what do I do with this? Well, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 says, now that you have freely received, freely give. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, now we're supposed to imitate God, therefore, as dear children. Sin, you know, I like how the message paraphrases it. He says, see how God loves you. He's not trying to get something, something from you. He's trying to get something to you. He said, love like that. Yeah. When it cost him everything, love like this. So our job as believers is to love. <laughs> that is it. Our job, God didn't ask us to do a bunch of things. He said one thing, and it's to love. Right? Okay. Now, I want you to look at your Bibles again. Just to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 18 for a moment. Because during this Christmas season, people's hearts are open. They cannot, they, people can't understand why. They may not be able to explain why. The reason is, is because God so loved the world that he gave. There's always something going around in this season. It's, it's the spirit of Christmas, people call it. It's the spirit of Jesus that's here. People are open to receive. And so I don't, there is no greater time. I mean, you can do it throughout the year. But no greater time to demonstrate and to show the love of God than at Christmas time. People are open to it. So I want to encourage us. I want to kind of challenge us to get outside of ourselves and start demonstrating this love of God. And what is the greatest thing that anybody could ever do for somebody else? We're going to read that right here. Is to literally be an ambassador for Jesus. So, and uh, verse 18 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You doing okay? Yes. Okay. All right. Says all of this, and talking about your new self, your new nature, being formed in Christ Jesus, all of this is a gift, gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has, I just, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Listen, I, can you guys go back there for just a second? I want you to look at that scripture. God has given us, say me. me. God has given me this task of reconciling people to himself. Think about it. The, what does God care about the most in, in uh, everything that he created? People. It's people. It's people. And he has asked his church, his body, to be involved in what he's doing and be involved in what he needs done. 
God's not going to come down and say, hey, I'm God. Come and join me. I love the world so much that I gave Jesus. No, now for God so loved the world that he gave his church. For God so loved the world that he gave his church so that everyone who comes and be parts of this won't perish but have everlasting life. Listen, as the days of Noah, this is what Jesus said, so shall the end of times be. Listen, you know how what, what Noah's ark was for all of humanity? It was the saving boat to, you know, miss the flood. What's the church? It's just like that flood. It's just like that boat that Noah built. We are the place of safety. We are the place of restoration. We are the place where now God can come in and, you know, change people's lives. That's what he's going to do it through. How he's going to do it? Through you, through me, through his body. So he's asking us, not any angel, not, any, not himself, not the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He's asking you to be a vessel that he can speak through. Who's going to reach people for Jesus? Jesus himself is not going to come down here and go, hey, 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 come on in, come on in. Who's going to reach the Muslims? It's the church. You can't reach a culture that you condemn. <laughs> oh, we hate, we hate what they're doing. Yeah, we hate what they're doing, but we love the people. They're lost. If you ever approach anybody and you have to say, hey, uh, if you were to say, if you were to go to heaven or hell, what would you believe? I don't know if there's a heaven or hell. They're lost. If somebody says, hey, if you were going to heaven or hell, where would you go? I'd go to heaven. Why would you go to heaven? Oh, I'm, I'm a good person. They're lost. Yeah. <laughs> I go to church. They're lost. It doesn't matter. What matters is I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That is the only way that someone can receive eternal life. There's only one way. So what has God given us? He's given us this task of reaching people for him and preaching his gospel. Think about that. At work, who's going to save your boss? It's probably you. <laughs> who's going to reach my neighbor? Well, they're your neighbor for a reason. You are the only one that's able to reach them. You may be the only one. And so we're kind of waiting for, you know, a, a special thing to happen. No, it is as normal as dropping off your kids at school. Times that I've even just shared the gospel with somebody has been absolutely super normal. I didn't feel any supernatural, spiritual thing where I had to just, oh, <laughs> be saved. Or I have to get some miraculous thing. What it is, it's I'm just opening myself up for conversation. What do people want now? They want just, man, listen to them. Man, I've had more people come into my office and just need a listening ear. Just talk to them. And at the same time, now here, now don't back off and go, oh yeah, so you think that being a good person is going to get you to heaven? No, you got to speak truth in love, right? But, it's, but I just think it's amazing. God gave us this task of reaching people for him. You can't take money to heaven, but you can take people. <laughs> and I want, you know, every, every person that gets saved through this ministry, guess what? It gets accredited to your account because you're a part of it. You're involved in this whole thing. I mean, uh, I had a good conversation when Kevin and Annie were here. You know, what we as a church, what we did is we actually, uh, we paid for them to come completely just our church ourselves. We paid for them to come uh, on our own dime. And what happened is they actually went to two other churches. And I thought, you know what, how cool that is, is that we have the opportunity to sow finances in Edmonton and in Calgary that we may not all know the fruit here, but we're going to see it in heaven. 
And actually, I had, uh, that's what Kevin was telling me. He was like, you know what? He said, it's amazing to see is that you got, you, your church family is going to have so much fruit because of the seeds that you have sown financially to reach people. That's what this thing's all about. We use dollars for souls. <laughs> that's what we want to do. That's what it's all for, right? We're not just trying to get more so we can have a bigger building. That's nice, and that, that'll come. But we're interested in, first and foremost, going after what God needs. What does God need? He wants his people. So continuing on. Did you see that? Verse 18, you see that? Okay, go to verse 19. So then Paul says, he takes on this mentality. So we are Christ's ambassadors. You've got to take on that mentality. I am Christ's ambassador. Can you go to the next verse there? It says, God is making his appeal through us, so we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. It says, he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Who are we? We are message carriers of reconciliation. You have been, you have been reconciled to God. Anybody been reconciled to God? Yes, you've been brought back. So what do we have now? We have a message. What's your message? It's your story. It's your testimony. It's what did God do in your life? How did God reach you? How did God save you? Share that. <laughs> That'll draw them right in. And from that point, you say, man, uh, we have an amazing Jesus. Now here, the Bible made it so simple. You just confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Amen. Do you want in? Oh, man, I'm all in. And then you just you work with them. Work with people. Because <laughs> listen, it's not just you going on yourself. The Spirit of God leads you. Right? He's, it's, it's calling out. He's leading you to reach people. That's what he does. All right, we're, we're still good? Okay. Now, I want you just to kind of, we're going to grab this view. How does God view the world? How does God look at it right now in today's world? What is he looking at? John chapter 16. And I want you just to, just to see this. How is God looking at the world? How is God looking at all the sin? How is God looking at all these things? He's just sitting there, man, that place is a mess. Shoot, why did I create this place? No, that's not how he's viewing it. Remember, for love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, to judge the world, but through him the world might be saved. So John chapter 16, do you guys have that on screen? Did I not give you that? I apologize if it's not on there. Yeah, there it is. So this is Jesus, and he's just sharing, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here a little bit. I want to show you. He says, now I'm going away. This is before he heads to the cross. I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where, I, where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is... Here, listen, this is what the world's sin is. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So what's not the world's, like, what's, what is God not judging? All the addictions, the liars, the adulterers, the rapists, the pedophiles, Hitler, everything the Muslims do, killing Christians. God put all of that on one man. Who was that man? Jesus. God only sent one person to hell. And who was that? 
Jesus. And what did he put him with? What did he send him to hell with? Every sin from past in the Old Testament leading to that time, in the New Testament up to this very moment, up to tomorrow, and up to all the future days before we're out of here, God put all the sin on Jesus for all time, once and for all. So how does God view people? He sees them free, but bound. He already opened the door. He already opened the prison door. What is it? People are stuck. They need help out. They need to realize the door, the door is open. It, it's, it's open. Come on out. Come on out. How has somebody come out? Is that they need to trust a loving God. How will anybody dare to step out of a jail cell when they're not sure is when they know that there's a God that loves them. Because for the most part, I mean, you see those guys that turn or burn, turn or burn. What is happening to those people that are in jail? Man, I ain't coming out there. Turn or burn. And what, what happened? What kind of God do you serve? Well, man, God, he's judging the sinner. He hates the sinner. So he's coming out to another God that hates him. He's already in a prison that a God, lowercase g, the devil, hates him. So why would he want to come out and be part of this flock? So what is our message? Our message is come back to God. He loves you. He cares for you. He provides a life for you better than you can even imagine. Not only spiritually, but physically, emotionally. He loves you. He loves his children. Man, you preach that message and what happens? People will start coming in by the flocks. How come? Because they're already in bondage. They want out. What person in their right mind wants to stay in that mess? So what do we have? what's our message as a church? Is to show the truth and have the love of God in action. We're not here to say, oh yeah, oh you like to still do all those things and okay. No, Jesus' message was repent and receive the kingdom of God. Right? Not just, okay, that's the way you are, okay, that, that's fine. No, listen, our job is not to clean them up. Our job is to introduce them to Jesus. Jesus' job is to clean them up. And he'll take anybody, however they are, wherever they are. He loves people. And you know what the Holy Spirit is the best at? Changing somebody from the inside out. Look at your own life. <laughs> no, I've been perfect my entire life. Yeah, okay, you liar. <laughs> right? What does he do? He works us on us from the inside out. But what is it? So how does God view mankind? He sees them. The only sin that people go to hell for by choice is rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So what's our message? Jesus. What do we as a church do? We preach Jesus. We showcase Jesus because in Him is the fullness of God. In Him is life. In Him is goodness. In Him is kindness. In Him is everything that God is wrapped up in one man, Jesus Christ. And then what He does is He puts me in Jesus. So just as He is, so am I in this world. So the only people that will, you know, the only Jesus that some people see is me, is you, is His church. So how are we looking to the world? What's our message? What's our gospel? What's our good news? The one that literally good news, if you look more into the Greek, it's literally jumping up and down good news. So if you haven't jumped up and down because of the good news, you just don't quite know it good enough yet. Because this good news is supposed to get you happy. I just worship you, Lord. I just praise God. No, it's happy. It's joyful. Jumping up and down good news. The angels were excited. They did. Everybody had to show up. And the shepherds didn't go, oh, that doesn't sound exciting. No, man, they leapt up and they ran to see what it is they talked about. This is the good news we have. You have Jesus. What else do you want? 
<laughs> God's like, I love you. I'll give you everything I got. Here he is. Everything he is, everything he's got, everything he's going to be. You get it. I get it. So what should that do? Man, that should just cause me to respond going, Lord, thank you. Now what it is, now us, you and I, we have to renew our minds to what that good news is. <laughs> it's literally too good to be true. It's amazing. It changes everything about you. Glad you're excited about that. Okay. Now, as we read, we're not here to judge how the world lives. We're here to express God's heart towards them and allow his eyes to look through ours. They're free, but need to hear and receive that freedom through your lips. You know, there's, there's two types of things. You know, number one is people are watching you. I call these things silent sermons. People are watching how Christians live. They're watching how Christians act. I remember this one time we were in Hawaii coming back. This was a couple years ago. And, uh, man, we had just a horrible service. And we had to wait for a long time of, of trying to check our bags in. It was just, it was brutal. And we're standing there for a long time. Jamie is, she, she was pregnant there too. <laughs> I seem to be pregnant a lot. <laughs> but, uh, like, Jamie was, I don't know, you were, you were, you were getting along in pregnancy. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to dig up. I don't know how to dig up. <laughs> but uh, man, at the same time, the, the, the stewardess and they just, nothing was going quite right. And this lady came up to us and she said, I've been watching you guys. You guys handled that very calmly. She's like, I would have freaked out. It's like, oh yeah, no, we're good. You know, we, we, lo we love Jesus. We love people. It's all good. She, oh, really? So they're silent sermons, right? That, that happens. People are watching you to see how you, you know, how you act. But then there's also, you need to use your voice. Then there's your sermon. There's your story. And you've got to proclaim that from the mountaintop. This is what Jesus has done for me. I mean, you see some of the impact stories that we've shown. People right away are drawn to those people. Man, that's amazing. That's so cool to see what God did in your life. With something about a story that attracts somebody to that person. Man, yeah, that's, I went through something like that too. But this is what Jesus did in your life. Woo! That's awesome. Man, that's good news. And you become best friends because you have a lot in common. It, it's just how it is. So let me encourage you. Be bold with your story. Don't hide it back. Let people know this is what God did for me. This is what God did in me. And what will happen, you'll see people coming in because if a God cares about you, surely he cares about somebody else. Okay, awesome. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> I gotta, I'm going to finish this up in about five minutes here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is where it all comes down to. It says, Christ's love controls us. Say, Christ's love, love controls me. Now, I don't know what's controlling your life, but this is the goal, right? I don't want my feelings controlling me. I don't want my boss controlling me. I don't want money controlling me. I want the love of God that is on the inside of me controlling me. Because when it controls me, it leads to supernatural things. It leads to amazing things. Man, you want, you, want to, you want the gift. You know, everybody know, talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right, where you have all the, the nine different manifestations or ways that the Holy Spirit expresses Himself out there. You want to see those operating in your life? Okay, anybody else? Okay, three, four. No, no, listen. I, you crave those things to work. You need those things in operation. How do I get that to work? Maybe if I just pray long enough. Yeah, that prayer is the entry point for that. But 1 Corinthians 12 comes first, talking about that. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, 13 comes after 12. And it talks all about love. 
I remember hearing this from a couple of ministers. Uh, they, they were just always talking about, you know, flowing and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. One of the ways that they do it, this, this was a lady, she's passed away now. I think it's, uh, she was a real prayer lady. But she would stand up there. And the, she would just kind of stand and she would just look over the crowd. And then anybody caught her attention, all of a sudden like the Spirit of God on the inside of her just drew her to somebody. She said she would just let the love of God on the inside of her just bubble up and just start, man, God loves that person. And what would happen? A word would come. Thoughts would come. And they would just start speaking things, helping individuals out. <laughs> so you want the gifts working? Let love work on the inside of you. you got to let it work. Because Paul said um, in 1 Corinthians 5.14, he just said, the love of Christ controls me. You know, let's read this whole verse. 14 and 15, it says, Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for life, for them. For them. Now, as I said last week, I don't want to finish off with this, but I believe the greatest miracle that we could ever see, and yes, I think even greater than seeing a body healed, seeing someone delivered, seeing prayers get answered, and all those things happen, and they are for today. I believe it. It's in those scriptures. You can read it very clearly. God heals today. I believe all those things are true, and we're going to continue to see them in this church. Huh? You want it? Because listen, if you don't want it, you don't have to have it, but those that want it, get it. I want it. I want it all. But he also said, I believe about all those things, the most greatest miracle for a Christian to ever experience is to move from a lifestyle of self-focused, selfishness, to a lifestyle of complete selflessness. It's the greatest thing that you'll ever take place. Because we know, and we read it last week, if you don't, weren't here last week, I encourage you to watch that. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 talks about in today's world, in the culture of today, Paul's warned to me, he said, there will be very difficult times ahead. Why? Because people will be lovers of themselves and of their money. So what's controlling people a lot today? And he's not talking about the world. The world is already stuck in that. He's giving it to a warning for church folk. Is people will love themselves and they will love their money. So what do we want to make sure that we don't love? Is, I mean, I'm not, and then when I say loving ourselves, I'm not saying it. And it, there's good to have a good, healthy self-love for yourself. Right? I mean, I respect myself. I'm, I'm, I'm my biggest encourager. <laughs> you need to be. Because if you hate yourself, man, you are going to hate other people. Right? Because I love others based on how I view myself. So what is he saying? But don't have, a, you know, have an unjust or a weird love for yourself. You know, the, this, the actual Greek word is self-kissing. Oh, it's all about me, Lord. It's all about me. Me during worship. At, you know, in fact, life church style. That is a bit messed up. And you can see it. Then there's that. There's also love for their own money. So he's saying watch out for those things. Right? Then, so Paul says, as we talked about last week, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up. Now, what does God need? He needs a church that is grown up, that aren't finicky or flinchy to little things. Well, they didn't say hi to me. Well, get over yourself. There's, <laughs> and like, seriously, you get some of that weird stuff, right? Well, that person didn't say hi to me for five weeks now. Oh, did you say hi to them? Well, no, I, they look busy. 
you, you could say hi, too. It's just a one-way conversation. Get over yourself. Hallelujah. But he said, when I, when I was a child, now listen, there are those that when we see people coming in here, receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they become a baby in Christ. Spiritually, they're a baby. So what now? We have to disciple. We have to train. We have to grow up. We have to help people get up so they don't become dependent on you. They become dependent now on the Word. They become dependent on the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of them. But listen, everybody has to raise an infant. It's not just my job. It's not the pastor's job just to raise infants. It's your job. We're all in this thing together. We are helping raise up people to adulthood. And I know that's what the Lord has called this church to be, is to be a grown-up church. Why does he need grown-up church? So we can raise babies. Because as long as you can't have babies raising babies, babies get around together and it's a poopy, whiny mess. <laughs> mine. No, it's mine. You did this to me. You didn't say hi to me. This is my toy. This is my Bible. It's my chair. Oh, I'm getting a little touchy. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> they, played, they didn't play my worship song. They took up the offering wrong. You get that. Really? You get, you get that. All right. Let's gear in. Are you ready? No, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up here. But <laughs> So then I asked the Lord this question, how do I grow up? And he said, well, how do you love? Oh, that's a good question. So in closing, let's look at this. Love is patient and kind. So if you're like, I want to grow up, let me encourage you, speak this to yourself, over yourself, all the time. I am patient and I am kind. I'm patient and I'm kind. With Christmas around the corner, I am patient and I am kind. Now listen, you got to stir it up. Where is the love of God? If you are saved and a child of God, it's on the inside of you. Romans 5.5 5 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You have it on the inside of you. It's there. It's wrong that you see Christians have a high divorce rate like doctors. What is going on? This. It's the love of God is dormant in Christians. And so here we are. We just, we're playing church. Meanwhile, we come to church. Oh, praise the Lord. And meanwhile, we go home and we yell at our wife. Spank your kids in anger, which is actually abuse. I've taught, the Lord has told me that. I spanked Jason in anger a few times. And the Lord said, you're abusing him. Oh, God, I, I will change that right away. And what that is, it's a love issue. I'm not letting it come alive on the inside of me. Being sharp with somebody, that's not patient and kind. Let me continue reading it. I'm, talk, I'm telling a lot of myself. You're getting quiet, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's about y'all too. All right. Love is not jealous or boastful, or proud, or rude. Meet a rude person? Nobody here, of course. They're out there. They just haven't yielded to love. <laughs> love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Uh, not irritable. You know what's so funny? Last week we watched the Great Cup, and... Uh, a couple of the guys came and sat beside me and started smucking their mouth. And as I said last week, one of the things that I'm really, you know, I'm growing in is not being irritable to people who don't know how to eat. It's not my fault that your parents sucked at raising you. You're just going to have to do better. <laughs> See, I'm saying it all in love. I just, 
I don't mind. It's, it's, I'm not irritated when somebody doesn't know how to eat. It's fine. It's fine. And here's the thing. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Now, we're just having fun with it, but in reality, if that irritates me, what happens? I start living small. Because now what am I thinking? I'm thinking that person doesn't know how to eat. Meanwhile, I'm not yielding to how much God loves that person. All I can think of is, you just shut your face. <laughs> so, but what it is, see, listen, you can yield to either one. You can yield to irritability or you can yield to the love of God. You can yield to keeping records of being people wronging you or you can yield to the love of God. It's your choice. That's it. I can't control how Scott eats. I can't. I wish I just... I, I can't. I can't control how my son eats. I'm working on it. But oh, son, <laughs> that is my job. So I'm going to do y'all a favor and raise my kids to chew with their mouth closed. I'd encourage you to do the same. <laughs> Anyways, I only say what I hear my father say. So I'm just, okay. Because <laughs> when we go to that lamb's dinner, when we're at the, the, you know, the banquet, we're going to have a no smucking table. All right. There's the people that know how to eat. And then those that need training are going to be over there with some angel working with you. Okay. But the love of God in me, when I yield to it, it keeps no record of being wronged. It does, I do not rejoice about injustice, but I rejoice whenever the truth wins out. I never give up. I never lose faith. I'm always hopeful. And I endure through every circumstance. And some versions go on to verse 8. Love never fails. Never fails. If love never fails, guess what? I never fail. I can't lose. Even if people are being the most irritable, people are being the most difficult to love, I can't fail because I'm yielding to the love of God and God loves me. Listen, this is, I'm talking as a mature person now, right? You mature folk, everyone that's in here. When you yield to the love of God, your faith is not in how they respond to you. Your faith is in, I know that he loves me and because he loves me, he'll take care of me. I'm not worried about how they react to me. But they didn't forgive me. Forget about it. That's between them and God, your job is to make sure that nothing closes my relationship between me and my father. If this is always clear and this is always good, I may have to do some things naturally to sort that thing out. But if I do all that, then I know I'm in the right place. And it's just a matter of time before that heart turns. Some of you are trying to connect with people again at a level that you want to connect. And it doesn't work there anymore. Maybe just because of a trust issue or something. You need to disconnect from that high spot where you're thinking, oh yeah, this is, I want to go back here. This is the relationship we had. I want that. I want that. You're going to have to disconnect from there and you're going to have to start lower and work your way back up. That's the only way to get it back. Because some people are having, putting way too much expectations on their marriage or with their kids or family or whatever. And you're throwing it back up there. Start lower. How do I know? I, I'm, I'm having to do that. I've got to start a bit lower again. Why not that necessarily things are wrong? I just, you know what? We disconnected at some level. I'm going to pick it up right back here and I'm going to build it. That's the love of God. I'm not putting pressure on somebody to come back up here. No, I'm going to meet where we can meet. So work it out. Just work it out. Amen. Let's all run around the building. <laughs> We're all fine with standing up, but as soon as we say run around the building, then that's okay. Well, Father, we love you. We are so thankful, Jesus, that you live on the inside of us. 
Thank you for coming, being our Lord, being our Savior. Jesus, we're so thankful for the season that we're in. And you know what I want to do? I actually just, I want to read this out. And that I want you just to say this after me. Say, I am patient and I'm kind. I am not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I do not demand my own way. I am not irritable and I keep no record of being wronged. I do not rejoice about injustice, but I rejoice whenever the truth wins out. I never give up. I never lose faith. I'm always hopeful and I endure through every circumstance. I never fail. Woo! Now that's how you stir it up. Listen, if, you go, if you're going home to a tough situation, man, just start speaking this. I am patient and I am kind. Now what if that person blows up? You're going to have to talk under your breath. I am patient and I am kind. You be the trendsetter. You be the love setter. This is how I'm going to operate. And you know what? People will follow that because that is the highest form of living that there is. It's the highest form. And you and I, guess what? God has given us access to be part of that. Man, this Christmas season, I know this from the bottom of my heart, it's going to be a good Christmas. It is. I, know, I, I believe that for your family. I believe that for this church family. But I believe that for this city. There are people that need to see hope. And guess what you and I are? We're the hope that the world's looking for. Why? Because we have Jesus. And what we're doing is we're yielding ourselves rather than what's going on there, ready to react to what something does here. No, I'm responding to someone on the inside of me who is love himself. Something happens over here. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? How can I show the love of God? Just ask him. He'll show you. Man, it's living the high life. It's living the good life. And we want to hear the stories that come out of this. Cool? Awesome.